On today's Locked On Nationals, we're going to be looking in at a former Philadelphia Philly, Reese Hoskins. And Reese, come to D.C. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Clary. You can catch me over on Twitter at RyanClary11 and as well as the show page at LO underscore Nationals. And get your pod wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Nationals there. And later on in today's show, we will be talking about some Nationals trade rumors. Two relievers that we really like here in D.C. Their names have been kind of thrown around the trade block here in this offseason. So I'll tell you what I think about it and who those Nationals relievers are. Also, let's kind of get into some farm system talk here because the Nationals have a good farm system. This is still one of the better farm systems in all of baseball as we sit here today on November 10th. But what separates a good farm system from a great farm system? Well, there's a difference there. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But now we're going to start with Reese Hoskins. But before we get into Reese Hoskins, today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. And so now, Reese Hoskins. He's a free agent this year after missing 2023 with a torn ACL. The 30-year-old former first ah, fourth round pick, not a first round pick, a fourth round pick, a Scott Boris client. Reese Hoskins is a free agent. And, well, are the Washington Nationals going to do this thing? Because if you look across Major League Baseball, and I use spot track a lot because I think they're kind of pinpoint when it comes to projecting salaries and contracts and what a certain free agent deserves. Well, Track has Reese Hoskins right now around a four-year, $84 million deal over on Track. So that's what they think that he could be getting based on this year's market. Now, is that what he's going to get? Honestly, I was a little surprised to see that. That's what they think that he will be getting. I wouldn't be surprised to see Reese Hoskins settle for a one-year deal, but the terms of the contract, that's irrelevant. I want Reese Hoskins to be here in Washington, D.C., for many other reasons, regardless of the cost. Number one, Reese Hoskins, he just fits that hole. He fits that hole in the middle of the lineup in which Mike Rizzo was saying to reporters just a few days ago that they're going to be looking at a middle-of-the-order bat. They need someone, and they know this too, by the way. The Nationals know this. They need to get more power in this lineup whichever way possible. A lot of people expected Joey Manessis to kind of be that middle-of-the-order bat this year, but he kind of took a step back as far as slugging goes, as far as power goes. He wasn't his home run hitting self as he was in the back half of 2022, but Reese Hoskins will fill that void. Over the course of the years, Reese Hoskins, when he came up back in 2017, only appearing in 50 games that year, he kind of set the world on fire, having 18 home runs and 48 RBIs, in those 50 games, having a 10-14 OPS. And ever since then, he's just been a consistent 
slugger, someone who's going to get extra base hits, and most importantly, someone who's going to be hitting a ton of home runs. Again, those 18 home runs his rookie season as a what? What was it? A 25-year-old, 24-year-old coming up out of the minor leagues. Then in 2018, hit 34 home runs, 29 home runs in 2019, 10 home runs in 2020, the COVID season, 27 in 2021, and as well as 30 home runs in 2022. Now, his numbers did take a little bit of a step back in 2022 compared to what he normally is at. But still, this is someone who has a career 847 OPS or 846 OPS, rather. He's got 148 home runs and 405 RBIs. The Nationals, they need that impact bat. And as we've talked about it with Dominic Smith over at first base, while Dominic Smith is the much better defensive first baseman, that's not even up for discussion here. We need a slugging first baseman. We need someone who's going to be a big power threat in order to help guys like C.J. Abrams and Lane Thomas, who's going to be batting ahead of them. Because it's not just about hitting home runs and hitting 35 home runs a year. That's not what this is just about here. The Nationals, they need power because when you have speedy guys like Lane Thomas, C.J. Abrams, Luis Garcia, who's not all that fast, but still he's a tick above average, you could say or just around average, just eh, not a speedy guy, but you get the point. When you have guys batting like that ahead of him in the lineup, and then when you have Dylan Cruz, when you add James Wood, imagine what that lineup could look like, especially if you get a fully healthy Reese Hoskins in which all the reports indicate that he's going to be just fine. There are even some reports that he could make it back for the World Series this year if they were to make it, but obviously they did not, lost to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Reese Hoskins makes all the sense in the world for this Nationals team, not just for the connections, because obviously Kevin Long, who has been the hitting coach with them since 2022, then even beyond that, you have Howie Kendrick inside that organization, you have Bryce Harper, Trey Turner. We all know this, and I'm the petty person here. The Nationals and the Phillies, they've kind of been going back and forth over the last decades, exchanging their kind of franchise type of players. Reese Hoskins was the guy who was their light in the dark days of those Philadelphia Phillies teams. In 2017, they were awful. 2018, they were awful as well. 2019 wasn't all that much better. Reese Hoskins kind of was their guy. He was the guy that they were looking at saying, we did not expect this type of production, although we are here and he's bringing it up to us 162 games a year. The Nationals need this. They need a power influx in this lineup to not only just improve their slugging numbers overall, but look around baseball. Look around what the game has become. It's become this power-hitting league. It's become about home runs, getting extra base hits, and capitalizing on opportunities. Reese Hoskins, that's the guy that you can get Right now, and also kind of for the cheap, considering coming off an ACL, this is someone who could have been getting and demanding a relatively big contract. And he's not going back to the Phillies. The Phillies just announced that Bryce Harper is going to be the first baseman moving forward. They basically already said their goodbyes to Reese Hoskins. He's going to hit free agency and run. Now, to or actually land Reese Hoskins, the Nationals, they're going to have to pay a little tax here. And there's no tax actually in baseball that's going to say, oh, if you sign with the Nationals, you got to pay a little extra. No. But there is kind of something that you could say is called a loser tax. The Nationals, they aren't ready to win this second. Reese Hoskins, at the age of 30 years old, he's probably going to want to go to a contender. He's probably going to go to want, want to go to a team that's 
going to be ready to hit the ground running in 2024. The Nationals, while you can make some arguments that they could be, you're not going to convince Scott Boris that at this moment in time, who is his agent. So at this moment in time, what would it take to get Reese Hoskins? Well, before the year, I was thinking maybe a one-year prove-it deal for Reese, but from what it looks like, this could be a multi-year situation. Now, is he going to accept that? Maybe. If it's going to be the Washington Nationals, he could accept the one-year deal, knowing that it's going to be a tryout for him, and maybe the Nationals move on from him. But if you also want him to be kind of a cornerstone of this rebuild and kind of have it be your Jason Worth kind of contract that you sign in order to kind of show Major League Baseball that we're ready to roll, we're going to be ready to compete here relatively soon, then I think it makes all the sense in the world for this Nationals team. Now, what the terms and what it could take, I don't think it's going to be that four-year $84 million on spot, according to Spot Track, what they project them to be. It's probably going to look around something, maybe four years, 90 million. You're going to have to add a couple mil per year to his budget there and maybe see what happens. And if not, maybe you have to add a fifth year and make it around a hundred and something million, whatever that would take. Because that's kind of the business that the Nationals, they're going to have to be in in order to attract any free agents this offseason. You're going to have to pay a little bit more than other teams because, listen, these are all competitors. They're going to want to go to winners right then and there. And people will be competing to grab Reese Hoskins. Now, are they going to be maybe as desperate as a team like the Nationals? Probably not. So I feel like the Nationals could be pursuing him relatively aggressively. But then also on the downside of a Reese Hoskins signing, there is a little bit of a downside. The downside is he ain't that good of a first baseman. Now, again, this is someone who maybe down the line, you just kind of utilize him as a DH and he kind of takes over the Joey Manessis role. You move on from Joey Manessis and do whatever it takes there because the Nationals, they do have some intriguing prospects, not really necessarily a first baseman, but Yohandi Morales is kind of that guy we look at and say, well, he could be a first baseman considering you have a first-round pick with Brady House who's going to be that corner third baseman there. It could be Yo-Yo. It could be a free agent like a Reese Hoskins moving forward. It's still too early to tell, but... Reese Hoskins, he'll be able to hold his own ever at first base, but defensively, ain't going to be that pretty. But that's not what this signing is about. This signing is about addressing one of the Nationals' weakest links on their team, and that is getting power in the building and power in the lineup in order not just to help their numbers out in the bottom line out. It's in order to help C.J. Abrams out, in order to help Lane Thomas out, in order to help Dylan Cruz and James Wood when they're both up in the majors as well. There's a lot of different ways that this makes a ton of sense for this Nationals team. Now, are they going to do it? I surely hope so. And if the Nationals do do this, and if they do give him a multi-year contract, sign me up. Do it, please. Because the Nationals, they're going to be in the business of getting and adding a power bat into the system. And if they were going to do it, then Reese Hoskins makes most sense of all the free agents, in my opinion. And also, just kind of to add it on here, kind of going back and circling back to what we all know as Nationals fans and Phillies fans as well, we kind of have this back and forth thing of signing each other's players once they hit free agency. And even then, not even that, Howie Kendrick, our beloved, the guy that we love, the guy who hit the foul pole in Game 7 of the World Series, who won us that World Series. He's also in there. 
Why not take Reese Hoskins? Why not? Get a little back. Get a jab into Philadelphia. Let them boo Reese Hoskins when you go back to Philly. It'll be perfect. I'm telling you right now, Nationals. Signed, Reese Hoskins. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nats your first listen every single day. And now let's get into what separates a good farm system compared to a great farm system. Because the Nationals, they have a good farm system, but not a great farm system just yet. We'll discuss that a little bit later on here. But now, let me tell you guys about our friends over at Jace Medical. And we spend a lot of time talking together, you and I, every single day. We get fired up together on wins and losses and who starts and who sits. I'm thankful for that connection that we have, and today I want our chat to be a little more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize what that means? Bring on extended travel. Bring on the next natural disaster or supply chain issue. You are covered, my friend. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics or Cialis, Viagra, whatever it is in this possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month 12 months supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code locked on at checkout for a discount as well. Again, that is promo code locked on for a discount as well. And if you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily bed, just go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. And remember to use promo code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that is promo code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Now let's get back into it as the Nationals, the Washington Nationals. They have been on this rebuild. They have done a really good job as far as stockpiling some big-time big talent in this farm system. But what separates a good system from a bad or from a great farm system? Let me reiterate that. What separates a good farm system from a great farm system? Well, this is kind of something that we have talked about over the years, and there's no hint here that we all know this Mike Rizzo the one thing the one knock on Mike Rizzo is that we haven't really necessarily hit on first round picks over the last decade plus it's been a little bit hit and miss in here but overall hasn't been that great so here's the thing everyone can hit on first round talent in fact that's the expectation if you're a major league baseball executive the expectation is for you to hit on those first round picks listen When you're a first-round talent, it doesn't really matter what years of the draft. I believe the 2017 MLB draft is considered one of the weaker ones of all time, or at least over the last decade plus, whatever it is. That draft, even then, you can still find talent. You can still find guys in the mid-20s first-round picks, in which the Nationals were camping most of the last decade plus. So you can use that excuse, and that's a fair one. But then you look at teams like the Dodgers. You look at teams like the Braves, the Blue Jays, teams like that who kind of build their farm and really build it up in a nice way. They don't just hit on first-round picks. What separates teams like that, like the Dodgers, who continue to stockpile talent, the Tampa Bay Rays, is that they don't just hit on their first-round picks. They also hit on their mid-round picks. They hit on their fourth-round picks. They spend their money wiser. They spread their money around inside the draft and get high school talent in those mid-rounds. And I think with the addition of Brad Seolik and Danny Haas, both from very good organizations with the Diamondbacks and as well as the Orioles, 
I think guys like that kind of getting back to this analytical background of the Nationals, which they have kind of lacked in over the last few years, in my opinion, getting back into that business is going to pay dividends for this Nationals organization. In my opinion, this is what the Nats have to do. It doesn't matter if you're going to spend all the money in the world. It doesn't matter if you're going to have a top 10 payroll. You still have to develop prospects. You cannot go throughout a whole decade of baseball and having a good, solid team like the Nationals did without having a good farm system. The Nationals, they always had one through those years. They were hitting on draft picks. They were making really good moves and good decisions overall and moving off of top prospects for getting veteran guys. It's not just about getting the prospects to come up to your major league level and then play and play well. It's That's the goal. That's the dream. That's what the Baltimore Orioles are doing right now. But it's not just about that. You want good prospects and good solidified mid-round picks, guys who are going to produce up down in the minor leagues, because you can also, when you are contending, you can move off of those guys. You can kind of have your little insurance policy is what I say. Those middle round picks, the third round picks, the fourth round picks, the fifth round picks, and on beyond and later in that. You can find guys throughout the draft every single year in those rounds. If you look back at the draft listings of just pick a year and pick a random round, you can probably find an impact player over the last decade that's doing pretty damn well in the majors. You've seen it a lot over the last few years with teams like the Dodgers. You've seen it a lot over the last few years with the Braves as well. Those two teams, they draft well. I know I say it a lot. I know it probably gets annoying, but it is what it is. The Nationals, they got their good farm system. They do. They've hit on some first-round talents over the last few years with Brady House, Dylan Cruz, Cade Cavalli, I think, is a hit right now. I think there's going to be more as well, hopefully in the next few months here, once we find out where the Nationals are going to be picking in the 2024 MLB draft. But they're not that far off from being a great farm system. Because if you look around their farm right now, well, you have second-round pick Yo-Yo Morales this year, who, in my opinion, is already a top-five prospect in this organization. Then you also have Dalen Lyle, a second-round pick, alongside with Brady House in 2021, high school talent, Kentucky Gatorade Player of the Year in 2021. Well, he was kind of down and out for it after having Tommy John surgery, missing 2022. But over the course of the season, he's starting to look like a hit as well. Someone who did a lot of good things down in Fredericksburg, who then went to high A, struggled a little bit, but then came around. He's also starting to look a little bit promising here for this national team. You also look around like with Jake Bennett. Jake Bennett out of Oklahoma, tag team with Cade Cavalli, went to high school with him, then went to Oklahoma with him, and then got followed up, drafted by the Nationals. And then, of course, both of them had Tommy John this year as well. They're really partners in crime if you think about it. But Jake Bennett is another one of those guys. He was looking like a stud to start off this year. He was probably on his way to being the Nationals' best minor league pitcher over 2023 before he had Tommy John surgery, and that cut his season short. Beyond that as well, you have Trey Lipscomb, a third-round pick. You have Andrew Pinckney, a sixth-round pick from Alabama this year. You have Jacob Young, who made the majors after starting 2023 in high A and playing good baseball up in the majors as well. The Nationals, they're close. And really, if you look at it, you can make an argument that maybe something has turned around within this farm system. But I will say this. When you have been as poor as the Nationals been over the last few years, as far as contending and building prospects and building a farm system, 
you better have a little bit of extra juice in there. And that extra juice in this farm system comes from middle round picks. It doesn't just have to be your first rounders. That's not what this is about. The first rounders, again, that's the expectation of this. You want to hit on those and you're expected to hit on those. But what you're not expected to do is hit on those middle round selections. And if again, if you look around draft boards every single year in the middle rounds, you will always find someone there. It's just a matter of if your scouts and if you're drafting, whatever your process is, can be right. And the Nationals, they have to get back on that track because over the last few years, again, we just went through some of those guys. We got some people here. But the Nationals, they're not done yet. You still have to continue to churn them out and continue to do what's best for the organization and continue to use these analytics and guys like Brad Siolik, who has been tremendous in the Orioles draft over the last few years. You have to have guys like that in your building ready and hopefully, just hopefully, hitting on these guys going forward. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nats your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast next. There has been some rumors about Kyle Finnegan and Hunter Harvey being traded this offseason. Well, what would it take? Is it likely to happen? What could happen from it? We'll discuss it after this. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nats your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. So thank you guys again for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on all platforms. Just search Locked On Nationals there as we are your team every single day here. So the news of the day <clears throat> over the last few hours as the GM meetings were, by the way, cut short because of a stomach bug, I think, down in Arizona. That was a wacky thing there with, I mean... All GMs just got sick. That sucks. Hopefully everyone's okay, but it's pretty serious from what it looks like. So hopefully everyone's okay in Arizona. But some news did come out as Mike Rizzo and John Morosi, I believe from MLB.com, reported this, that the Nationals, they have been getting calls about Kyle Finnegan and Hunter Harvey this offseason. Now, Kyle Finnegan, he's kind of a dicey name amongst Nationals fans. Some Nationals fans think he's really good. Some Nationals fans, they're kind of tired of it. They've seen it with him. They don't want to see any more. But I like Kyle Finnegan. I'm a Kyle Finnegan truther. I think this is someone who was just used probably a lot more than what he should have been this year. I think he is a decent closer amongst National League relievers. I think, again, if he's not a if he's not a decent closer, he could be a good setup man. He's got good stuff. And also, he just has a look. And I've said this time and time again. If I just know this, if he were to go to the Rays or the Dodgers, the teams that really just turn out pitching better than anyone else, I know this for a fact that he would somehow be an all-star someday. He would be. I know it. I know it. Hunter Harvey, on the other hand, they've done really good with Hunter Harvey. They, The Nationals, this is a huge success when it comes to Hunter Harvey. This is someone who, first-round pick by the Baltimore Orioles, big talent, a lot of movement on his pitches, really good fastball. Never panned out with the Orioles, came here to D.C., and ever since then, it's been a magical carpet ride with them. So with the Nationals going into this rebuild, the most likely options for them as far as like trading away guys, moving off from guys when it comes to you know prominent players like this, you look at the bullpen. 
the bullpen is always going to be the first one where you can kind of shake down, trade off guys, because if you trust your process and if you trust your guys, if you trust your scouts, there's more times than not that you can kind of fill these voids. Now with guys like Hunter Harvey, I don't think Hunter Harvey's are growing off trees anywhere. In fact, they aren't. I can tell you that right now. Kyle Finnegan, he's certainly replaceable. These guys aren't world beaters. Hunter Harvey and Kyle Finnegan over the last two years, they've kind of been the rocks of this bullpen. They've been very good pieces. The Nationals have enjoyed using them a ton. They go out there in any winning scenario, it's likely going to be Hunter Harvey getting the eighth inning and then followed by Kyle Finnegan over in the ninth inning. Well, just because they've been these rocks of this bullpen doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have to move off from them. Meaning the Nationals, if they were to decide to move off Kyle Finnegan and Hunter Harvey, I think the time to do it would probably be now with both these guys under control for the next few years, not being free agents. And also, I've always loved this idea. If you trade both of them, kind of a package deal, you can get a much better prospect. I'm just talking about one player in return. One prospect for both those guys, it's not going to be some big time sexy prospect that we're going to look at and say, this guy's going to be a difference maker. Will he crack the top 30 of the Nationals prospects? Probably. But if you were to trade just one of them at a time, you trade Hunter Harvey first. I'm not sure what you could be getting back in demand here. I don't know what the Nationals could be asking for. I don't know what they could be in the market for. But again, I think the Nationals are kind of in a win-win scenario here when it comes to the Finnegan and the Harvey rumors here yet again. Because the Nationals, they know what they have in both of them. Kyle Finnegan has shown that he could be a solid closer, and he had a really good stretch this year from May all the way through August. Kind of the wheels fell off there at the end in September, and really even dating back to a little mid-August as well. But Hunter Harvey was relatively very consistent over the course of this season. And even then, I think the Nationals, they like Tanner Rainey. They like Mason Thompson still, even though he had a really down year this year. But the Nationals, they still have guys that they like down in this farm system. Amos Willingham is another one who cracked the majors this year. You also have guys like Zach Brixey coming off Tommy John surgery, who had a great strikeout rate out of the bullpen over 2022 and beyond. There's a lot of different guys in this national system that you could say, well, they could step in and play a big role. I like Jose Frere a lot as well. So the Nationals, they don't have to move off of them. But if they do choose to, you do have replacements already in-house ready to go here. Now, Zach Brixey, he's kind of been someone that i followed for a while now. You probably don't know too much about him. You probably shouldn't either. He's undrafted free agent out of the 2020 MLB draft, over a five-round draft. He would have been drafted 100% if it was normal circumstances, but it wasn't, and we know that now. But Zach Brixey is good, and there's a lot of other guys as well in this national system and really, there's probably going to be more to come as well that they could come out of the bullpen, they could play and do solid. And also, there's free agents. You have Robert Garcia, who showed a lot of promise this year as well, coming from the Marlins. There's a lot of different guys in this NAT system and as well as free agency that you could go to replace them if you get the right return for Harvey and or Finnegan. Now, will the Nationals do this? I don't necessarily think they will. In the offseason, now come the trade deadline, if they're, you know, fine, if they're hovering around 500, who knows where they could be at this moment in time. But let's just say they're 
kind of like where they were this year, then yeah, you probably should trade off those guys because they are getting a little older. Kyle Finnegan, he ain't that young and he's not getting younger at this moment. Hunter Harvey's in the same boat as him. Not that all, not all this too young of a flashy group here. You can move off them and be fine and hopefully find someone to replace them. It's just a matter of if the Nationals will do that and are they in the business of doing that? That's the real question here. And honestly, we just don't have the answers at this moment in time. I just think it's going to have to have a package that will blow away Mike Rizzo. Now, again, when I say blow away Mike Rizzo, no one's trading away their top prospect in the organization for either of these guys. But if you're going to be giving away, not a premier prospect even, someone who maybe has hope of turning out something in the major someday, maybe you give us a whatever it is, then if Mike Rizzo deems it that it's worth it, we know one thing here in D.C., trust Mike Rizzo when it comes to trades, and I certainly will here right now. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nats your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And of course, check us out on socials at LO underscore nationals over on Twitter and as well as myself over on Twitter at RyanClary11. And you can check out the show. Just search Locked On Nationals wherever you get your podcasts. And that is where you'll find your daily Nationals content Monday through Friday as we are still in the in-season portion of Locked on nationals i'll catch you guys on monday enjoy the weekend there's no baseball for which is sad second straight weekend in a row but we're gonna make it out someday i'll catch you guys on the flip side have a good one